Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello, y'all. Welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the first episode of a brand new series. For those of you who are new here, um, my name is Abigail Gazda, and I am a clarity coach and the CEO of Hearts Unleashed. I'm a three-time author, all the fun things, but it feels worth introducing myself because there is a lot of excitement around this anxiety series, and I have it that we will have some new listeners here. So I am honored, absolutely honored, whether you this is your first episode or your 340th episode uh, or whatever we're on, I think 338 or 339, but uh, it is always, always an honor to have you here. I was actually talking to a friend at dinner today, and I was telling her how serious I take my the blessing of being able to be in people's inboxes, in people's ears, in people's timelines. Um, I take my impact seriously and showing up to you seriously. So thank you. It is an honor to get to impact you, if even only ever for this episode. So welcome to the anxiety series. Uh, Again, Abigail Gazda here. I am going to break this down a little bit and introduce the concept. Today's episode is called Living with Anxiety. And um, I want to give you a peek into this series because I I am definitely going to stretch it out a little bit. And so I'm not going to be packing tons of information into one or two episodes. I really want to address this by topic. And so some topics that you can anticipate, uh, one of the episodes in in order right now, I'm going to talk about causes of anxiety. That'll be an episode. I'm going to talk about coping with anxiety as an episode. I'm going to talk about long-term anxiety management. A lot, I've had a lot of questions and requests to talk about how to manage anxiety holistically, uh, whether with meds or without meds. So that will be long-term anxiety management. I'm going to have an episode dedicated to supporting people with anxiety. I'm going to have an episode dedicated to social anxiety, a, another episode, ADHD and anxiety. And that's what I have so far planned. So if you're listening in real time, you already know you can message me, email me. My email is abigail at heartsunleashed.com, or you can shoot me a personal message on Facebook or DM on Instagram. I'm pretty active and available. Um, in fact, I'm probably more active and available through social media than email. <laughs> and then I also want to say that if you're listening to this and while you're waiting for the anxiety episodes to come out, or if you want to listen to some complimentary episodes, uh, the Empath series is really powerful. So if you go to heartsunleashed.com and tune into or look at search by series, there is the Empath series that's really powerful. The emotional intelligence series is really powerful here. Um, there's the like inner child series, which is understanding inner child work, which has a lot to do with anxiety. And then also just in season six, I uh, published a few episodes. It's around three in the three thirties range, which is like emotional intelligence, emotional endurance, and emotional, um, 
recovery. I think emotional recovery. Those episodes are going to be really powerful for all of this, as well as feelings are meant to be felt. Oh, I could just go on referring. And I, you know what I'll do is in the bottoms of these episodes, I will link uh, related episodes. So you guys, I want to, I'm so committed to emotional intelligence and subconscious reprogramming and your development and your emotional stamina and feeling stable and grounded. And so I'm just, like I said, I'm so committed to that. And I will give you every resource I can possibly give you, especially every free resource I could possibly give you to feel like you are able to get a hold of this. And um, I actually want to talk a little bit about that, but I'd also like to give some, some background, some experience, some explanation as to why me, Abigail Rose Gazda, is talking about anxiety. And I uh, have my background in physical education and health. And so as far as my actual training and education, I have my education background. I have a an accredited coaching certification. And so there's like all of this, I can tell you the you know, paper trail of experience and, and certification or qualification to be able to talk about this. But I also want to talk about the experiential. I want to talk about having worked with children, young people, adults, all ages, and supporting them through anxiety, anxiety management, and then the healing that helps to, I say, eliminate very carefully because anxiety is a human emotion. And so it'd be like telling you you're going to eliminate sadness and happiness. And it's it's not, you're not going to. And um, I talk a lot about that in alchemizing judgments, like getting rid of judgment. You're never going to not be judgmental. It's, it's a literal function of survival. And so anxiety is a naturally occurring emotion. So I'm not here to villainize it. I'm not here to talk to you like, oh, we're going to snuff this once and for all, and you're going to never have anxiety ever again. That's not the scenario, but that I've worked with hundreds. I wish I would track it so I could say thousands because it feels like that. I've helped thousands of people manage this. And then also just my own experience, which I will talk a little bit about that as, as well, my own experience and anxiety here today. And one thing I want to say is you might be used to 15 minute Phillips with me. I'm not going to try to fit this in. I'm just going to have some jam sessions and make sure that I cover the topic as thoroughly and completely as I feel justifies the the conversation. And then we'll call complete. So I'm not sure if these will really fit into the 15 minute Phillips concept. Um, but if you are new here, I have 15 minute fill up episodes that I'm really dedicated that you're able to listen. And uh, if you only have that much time or you get to pockets of your drive to work or while you're washing dishes, whatever that I really try to make this a very listenable podcast, but also incredibly impactful. So all that said, we're going to keep going through this. I'm not going to dive any further into the background experience. I, there's no need to qualify myself for this conversation. That's how at least I feel. I want to say some things about, um, I'm not afraid to get it wrong. I'm going to teach you as much as I know, as many tools as I have, as much wisdom and knowledge, which you know, wisdom and knowledge are different things. Knowledge being book smarts and, you know, all all of that has academia aspect or clinical aspect. And then the wisdom of experience and deep inherent knowing and navigating through self and experience. Uh, that being said, I am not a medical professional. I am not a doctor. I am not clinical in nature. Um, and so I am going to give you as much as the 
truth as I can while knowing that I am not the truth, right? Like I have a note here that says anxiety is so unique and also not. You're going to relate to some of what I say and you're going to disagree with what some of I, some of what I say. I am not here to convert you. I am not here to be right or the sole expert on the topic. I understand that this is such a unique experience for so many people. And so I'm not here. This is the one of the number one points I like to make, I am not here to validate or invalidate anyone's experience. Meaning if what I say resonates for you, great. That makes me happy. I'm happy to help. If it doesn't resonate, leave it, set it down. I'm not here to villainize you. You don't need to be here to villainize me. Or you can, if that's what makes you feel better about yourself, that's fine too. Like I said, I'm not here to prove it or convert anybody as a believer. It's really just to provide as much as I can contribute to you as much as possible. So I am not afraid to um, say something that you're like, that's not true for me. I respect that. I, that is a part of anxiety. That is a part of our life experience that you have the right to your experience. You have the right to your feelings and I have the right to mine. And so, um, being as respectful of this whole journey as possible. I'd also love to share for a moment a little bit of my own experience and how I got to a point where I am literally positioning myself as an authority on this topic, right? Um, I would say that my own anxiety uh, started in college that I, if I had it before, I didn't know, or if it was something that was driving me in middle or high school, I didn't know. In grade school and middle school, I would say I was very in my head. Um, I had my own shame or embarrassment. I was worried about if I was cool or not, or if I fit in, but that it never consumed me. I've worked with a lot of youngsters at this point, whether being a teacher or a coach. Um, I have been a coach of of young kids and, and spoken at schools and I often have accidentally end up in a like a counselor position for kids. But anyways, in middle school I would say I was I was in my head. I had a lot of internal dialogue, but I didn't I wouldn't say that I identified as anxious. I didn't know I had anxiety back then if I if I if you could say that I did. The first time I was ever present to my anxiety was in college. So I went to St. Joseph's College in Rensselaer, Indiana. I went to get my education degree. I picked my college based on two things. Could I play basketball and could I get my physical education degree? Because while I really set out to play basketball, I was not going to pick a school where I couldn't get the career that I knew I had always wanted. And so it was uh, winter of my freshman year. And it was the end of the semester and I was having extreme chest pain and um, trouble breathing. And I was, I was very athletic. I was playing basketball. And so it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I think I thought that I had a cold. Um, And then it was only after finals week that the pain stopped, the chest pain. It was like, I thought I was sick. And then immediately after my finals were done, I did not feel that way. And I remember having the thought like, whoa, was that anxiety? In fact, I've never had indigestion either, like heartburn. I think I've only had heartburn once in my life. And it was only after the fact that I was like, was that what what people call heartburn? (laughs) I thought, in fact, it was, it's just so funny because that's like, 
Anyways, I'm not going to just spiral or go off topic. I'm going to try to stay on track. So it was the first time I ever experienced anxiety. And then I felt vulnerable. I felt that since I had it, felt that way, then it was happening more often, more frequently. It would happen leading up to games or big, big games or um, when I was trying to be a starter on the team or, you know, um, when problems arose or uh, relationship stuff like it just came more often because I was more present to it. And it continued. And then my sophomore year, many of you guys know a lot of my story. So I'm trying to just piece it together only in the context of anxiety. But I tore my knee. I tore my ACL my sophomore year of college. So I was out my entire college season or um, sophomore season. And that led to my first year of really experiencing a depression, like what I would identify as depression. And I started smoking marijuana. I like I had tried it in my youth, but I was smoking it as a form of pain management, anxiety management. I was drinking. So that's where my addiction, also, uh, I became addicted to pain meds. And so that really uh, was a was a wild year of life. And it never necessarily cleared up from there. It only sort of like had highs and lows or where I felt good or I didn't. And But anxiety had become a permanent fixture in my life. And, uh, then being like being in my head, being self-conscious, um, wanting to do well, but feeling like I was up against a lot of odds, having panic attacks, uh, basketball, then my relationship with basketball really changed and I never felt like the player I ever was. And so I never felt like the person I ever identified as. And that really, really fucked me up. It really threw me for a loop. And so, um, I was always trying to make a comeback. And I never was the player that I ever was again. And so I had a lot of anger. I had, a, and I didn't know at the time, um, I don't think anybody around me had the, was like a trained professional to be able to identify, like, I have depression. I have, um, I have deep grief and sadness and it, it manifested as anger, frustration, um, control. And so I'm not saying I was this like raging lunatic, but it definitely showed up as like temper tantrums or pouting or controlling or trying to like be perfect, but not really having a sense of how to, how to recover myself essentially. And so anxiety became, like I said, a permanent fixture in my life. And then by my like senior year, I felt in control. Like I had, I had a lot of good friends around me and I was kicking butt in school as far as like, I love my degree and I was ready to be a teacher, but then becoming a teacher was very anxiety inducing because applying, you know, the idea of starting your career, the idea of starting adulthood, I was in a long-term relationship that I had hoped would become like I was going to marry this person. And I did. And, um, but ultimately I was so, there's a flavor of perfectionism where I wanted what I wanted and I wanted to do it all quote unquote, right. Or in some order, like get the career, get the husband, get the house, get the job, get the car, get the, the kids, whatever. So I was like living up to that white picket fence vision, which I actually had a conversation. I, I'm trying not to trail off, but I don't ever mean to villainize the white picket fence, like going for the life that you envision. That is not a bad thing. Or like I'm a full-time nomad now, like I live a super adventurous life, but that 
those for those of us who aspire to have the husband, the house, the kids, the car, like the job, that's super cool for you. Like I'm all about live up to what you want and what you know you want and that it can always expand and you can ha- increase your capacity for more. Anyways, I want, I don't want to digress. Um, my anxiety was freaking raging by like when I was becoming a teacher because I had dreamt of it for so long, but that going into adulthood, I was like, oh my gosh, what? This is it? Like, like, in fact, I want to teach something here because this is where it is a big piece of anxiety. We are brought up in the school system. You know, you go from grade school to middle school and you you graduate, you graduate kindergarten, everybody claps for you. You graduate um, every grade now and everybody claps for you. And there's a graduation ceremony for pretty much every grade. And then you go to high school and everybody claps for you and you, you get accolades and you join sports and you get letters and certificates. And then you go to college and everybody wants to know, or you start the workforce and everybody wants to know. And then you start your relationship. And there's like all these major milestones, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And then you get to adulthood and there's not as many milestones. It's just going to work every day. And you, and you don't get birthday parties or cards with money in them or like at Christmas, like less people are giving you toys. And so it's like truly you become an adult and you're not this like adored little kid anymore that people are like enamored with you. Like you're getting so big, you know, all this stuff. You just kind of enter into this like herd of people at least this is my own experience, right? I'm just trying to, I don't need to be right about this. I don't need to say this is everyone's experience. I'm sharing. This is my own anxiety story, my own origin story. And so when I started into adulthood, like I was really focused on teaching and doing that right. But that um, I had anxiety thoughts around, will my now boyfriend propose to me? When will we move in? Where will we live? How will how will we make enough money for this? I was super consumed with my finance, with financial anxiety. That's one of my favorite flavors of anxiety is financial anxiety. I love creating that. And so um, I became really good at being anxious about pretty much anything. And so um, it was consuming. And I actually wanted to backtrack because my first like full blown panic attack was my senior year of college. And I had chest pains. I had crying fits. I had, you know, all sorts of stuff throughout the years, but it was my senior year and the NCAA had finally mandated that we had to be home for six days between Christmas and New Year's because as far as my experience of being a college athlete is they own you. So if they say be there, you be there. They tell you what to wear, what time to be there, what to say, how to say it, what what not to say, how to behave, how much you, you're running control. Like there's so many layers. And it like the fact that yet the feeling that someone has that much control, had that much control over me also caused a lot of anxiety because I felt like I had, I didn't have my own autonomy. I didn't have sovereignty. And that was very... Um, stressful for me. So the idea that I couldn't go home when I needed to or wanted to because I had practice or a game or lifting or whatever uh, really, really messed with me. So we got to go home for six days. And this was the first time in my entire college career that we spent six days at home for Christmas. And I had so much fun with my friends 
and I was homesick and, or like, I just, I really enjoyed it. And we went to, we were going to the Bears game, but I knew the very next day I had to go back to school. And it was me and my mom and my sister. I tell the story in my, in giving up, giving up the memoir of a quitter too. And I'm in the back uh, and my mom and sister are in the front of the car and we're about to go to this Bears game and everyone's like, we're dressed, we're faces painted. And I am freaking the fuck out about going back to school the next day. Like I wanted to have so much fun that day, but all I could think about was how miserable I was to go back the next day and be running my face off and lifting and, and playing. And like, not that I hated the sport, but like the intensity of it all, the competitiveness of it all, the seriousness of it all, the urgency of it all. It just made me, I want to vomit talking about it. And so like, I had my head between my legs. I was gasping for air, hyperventilating, panicking. And my mom was like, well, then if you, if this is what it's doing to you, then why don't you just quit? And I was already in my last semester of my senior year. I'd already demolished myself for the sake of like the sport of dedication, of never quitting anything, of being tough. And I was like, how the fuck, what, quit? Are you kidding me? Like I've already... I'm already this deep. And so it was like consuming. And I'll talk more about like symptoms and coping. Like I really, I really want to just share in bits and pieces. I'm not trying to like throw it all into one episode. So I want to relate and I want to share and I want you to know that I come from not from uh, some mountaintop where it's like, I know what to do and you should do it this way. And this is the answer. No, I've walked, crawled, clawed my way through anxiety the same way I know so many of you have. And I have such a deep burning passion to shine a light of hope that it can get better. You can feel better. There's so many ways and perspectives to like manage your way through this. Oh, there's so much to impart. And so at the, the peaks, like college basketball, then um, career, like teaching, teaching caused a lot of anxiety because I got into the career and I realized I didn't want to be there. I was so, I had a lot of sadness around that. I was distraught by the way that the education system is and was and what it does and how how much we miss for children, like how it misses the mark in really serving and nurturing children. Like I have a deep, deep passion to be able to teach emotional intelligence in the school systems or somehow um, provide emotional intelligence education to young kids so that they don't have to grow up in the same state that we, that a lot of us have or do, or learning how to communicate. And it's happening. I don't think I am the only answer. I, I know that for damn sure is that it is happening because we are all becoming more emotionally intelligent. We are, are raising emotionally intelligent human beings. And it is literally so fascinating. It, I cry of gratitude and joy and anticipation and excitement to hear the way that kids are now able to communicate their feelings and the way parents take time to talk to their kiddos. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. And so, um, that, uh, 
education really that my peak of anxiety was also in education. I was having panic attacks. I felt Sundays were really hard for me. The idea of going to work on Mondays, I was, um, the way I was coping at that time was with cooking and meal prep like that. I would spend an all day Sundays, um, meal prepping. And it was just as a way to sort of numb out or be rhythmic. And so I'll talk about coping in different ways, but that was what worked for me then. But I was also smoking a lot. I was drinking a lot. Uh, so I was also coping with self-medicating. And that was that became a real issue once I became divorced. My So 2016, uh, the year I tore my knee, I think was 2008. Yeah, I tore my knee in 2008. So that had previously been the toughest year of my life. And then 2016 was the second toughest year of my life when I was divorced. And um, I again, it had everything to do with my, the identity crisis. Like I had instantly unbecome everything I knew myself to be and my future became this big black hole. And so the first couple months of divorce, I became, I was angry. I was sad. I was, I had so much heartache that I had never experienced. And we broke up in February and I didn't start going to therapy until July. And so I spent those few months going into overdrive. Like I tried to work more. I tried to drown out my feelings. I was smoking. I was drinking. My family was really worried about me because I didn't know how to cope. I didn't know how to deal with a pain that I had never felt. And the, the ache in my chest was so... Ugh, I, I, for those of you who know, you just know it's like breathtaking and this, it was like so tight. The squeeze was so tight in my heart, in my chest, in my throat. And so that was a really tough pocket of time. And there, like I had to learn to grieve. And I will talk about coping because grieving and healing are such key components to anxiety. I, I want to use the word overcoming, but we are not overcoming anything. So I'll, I'll be more specific as we move together. And so, um, you know, I made it through that year and I moved to California and I would say from 2017 on, it's definitely been a really painful journey of, of grieving with intention and healing. So there's been a lot of dying and, and rebirthing on becoming and evolving, but no pain and no anxiety like those. And the only other, um, the one other heightened season of anxiety was probably 2018 was a lot of financial anxiety while I was trying to really build my business and not making money consistently enough to maintain my my life. Like it got really like gas or groceries seasons. And I would wake up out of my sleep in a panic of how I was going to pay the bill that was coming that day or you know, um, how was I going to drive to somewhere that I needed to get in order to make money that I needed to get. So, uh, 2018 was a financial anxiety type of season and I was able to make it through that and manage. And, um, and it was the same year that I found my bookkeeper, Michelle, who we, we have a money management, um, money mindset series on the podcast. That's also incredibly helpful. And so, um, 
Yeah, I, I can't, I'm, I so look forward to this series together. It's a long time coming. I actually had the inspiration for it in season five and it just didn't, it's like been brewing in me for over a year. I, I said, okay, spirit, I hear you. I, I will do that series. But, um, again, the amount of intention and purpose and thoughtfulness that I, I want to, and thoroughness, uh, it's just taken this long to really mature. And so, I still experience anxiety and, and, and we'll definitely talk about that, but it's, it's from a new angle. The one thing I want to credit is my increased communication skills, my ability to sit with discomfort. I definitely don't want to be too redundant or repetitive. So I'm not going to talk so much about my like overcoming or managing because we'll get into that, but that I come to you as a woman who can say she experiences anxiety. It does not control her. It does not consume her. It does not run me. It does not run my decisions or my life. And it's present, right? And that there's such, you can create the most beautiful life. But I want to distinguish something. I was incredibly, I am incredibly achieved. I was a college athlete. I got a degree and a second one, or I had, you know, um, an endorsement, like I had multiple layers of my degree. I don't know how to even explain it anymore because I haven't touched it in a decade and a half. And um, I was senior of the year of, of my college. I got the exact job that I wanted. Like I am so achieved and I had crippling anxiety. So anxiety is such an interesting thing because it is such a hyperactive characteristic. That's why I want to, I have a whole episode dedicated to ADHD and anxiety because I have both of those. And just because everything looks good on the outside doesn't mean it's good on the inside. And so I sit here today and tell you it looks good on the outside and it, it feels good on the inside. It finally fucking matches. And it is, there's nothing more fulfilling than to be able to honestly tell you, I feel good. I'm good. I love me. I love my life. I love my people. I love my job. I love what I'm up to. And I feel anxiety sometimes, right? And it doesn't run me. And I'm, I'm so I'm back at that. But that you, you, that achievement won't solve it. You think once I'm, I get there, it'll finally be done. No, no, there is no achievement that's going to solve this. It's internal. This is an internal game and evolution. So nothing you manifest will fix this. It's everything you heal. And I cannot wait to walk this with you. This feels, I feel like we're at a completion place, so I don't want to take this episode too much further, but I do want to share something about my methodology, uh, the way that I work with people uh, to manage anxiety. When someone comes to me in a, maybe a discovery call or in the, in the DMs or whatever, and they say, I want to, I, I need to get a hold of this. This is a hold of me. It's a hold of my throat, my chest, my gut. I can't function, you know, all of that. <sighs> What I teach people is I'll work with you and you have to commit to at least three months of working on this because this 
if you've had anxiety for decades, do you really think you're going to undo that in one, two or three calls with me or anybody? No. Do you think that if you get, if you'd be going to the gym a little bit more, you're going to fix this? No. I believe in diet, exercise, being contributors to our anxiety. And if you're not willing to walk the emotional journey, you're full in yourself. I love you. And there is internal work to do. And so the work that I do with people, I require three months of commitment because I consider the first month awareness. We are going to create massive loads of awareness. We're going to look at where this originated. Uh, We're going to look at wounds. We're going to look at uh, behaviors. I'm going to create awareness around the psyche, the psychology of all of this. So it's like pew, 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 like realization, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. And people think that if they, they can see it, that then they're better. And that's not the case. Because if you know, um, how do I want to say this? Self-awareness without aligned action is bullshit. I love you. And it's bullshit. Self-awareness is just self-awareness. If you're self-aware that you're an asshole and then you still be an asshole, great. That's not going to get you anything, right? Self-awareness that you're an asshole and you have a commitment to be something greater than that. And you then have to follow through on making deep shifts that are lasting, right? So the first month is awareness. The second month is management, working with tangible tools, shifting our coping mechanisms, managing communication, all of these things, right? So management and what to actually do, how to be, how do you want to be making commitments, falling, failing and coming back, getting back up. So you're going through breakdowns and breakthroughs from call to call, from session to session. And so there's real time application. And then the month three is integration. So integration there's awareness and management still sort of exist outside of you. It's still, um, you're not fully associating with it, right? Integration is an embracing. For quite a while in the work, you're still trying to overcome and eliminate, but integrate means to embrace. It means to take ownership of this is who and how I am. This is how my life shaped me. It doesn't mean you are permanently one way, but integration means I have, it's shadow work. If you haven't heard me say that before, but shadow work being, I have potential for terribleness. I have the potential for darkness and grotesque. Yeah, just, I I have so much endless potential for both ends of the spectrum. Cause I do also mean light and love and, and expansion and, you know, play and all of that fun stuff. But if we don't embrace the darkness, then we cannot be our whole selves ever. If you cannot embrace all of you, then you cannot be your total self. And then you will only ever feel like half of yourself. And I can promise you that is anxiety inducing. (laughs) That if you are only ever half of you and you are hiding the wolf, the gremlin, oh boy, where you want to talk about social anxiety? (laughs) 
you're trying to hide who you really are. Oh my God, you will have panic attacks. You will have panic attacks, I promise. <laughs> and so I say this playfully, but I know how how real this is. I know how real this feels. I know how heavy it is. Oh, and so I am with you in this journey. We are going to take a journey for sure. I have I've spread this out over episodes so that we can be thorough together. Um, I will talk about symptoms. I will talk about causes. I will talk about all of it. But in this moment, one last thing I'd like to address is the feeling, a certain feeling of helplessness, hopelessness, confusion, isolation, loneliness, feeling misunderstood, feeling like this is it. This is, there's nothing I can do. I've tried everything or I've tried so many things and I failed so many times. And so I want to address that if you feel that way, keep coming back, keep opening your heart. Because especially if you've made it all the way to the end of this episode without hanging up on me or turning it off or saying, fuck this, fuck this lady, right? That keep your heart open to the possibility that you too can experience deep, lasting, internal peace. I want to distinguish the difference between relief and peace. I definitely want to give you relief from the weight of anxiety, from the debilitating, crippling grip that anxiety can have on us. And I want to tell you, I want to nearly promise you that it gets better. It can get better. And I want to tell you, it takes a hell of a lot of dedication. It takes determination and commitment courage. It takes endless courage. You're going to, you'd have to face your demons. You'd have to face your shadow side and you can. I walk with people through staring their deepest fears directly in the face and that I want you to know because in the throes of an anxiety attack, it does feel like death. In the darkness of depression, death lurks and that it is not your feelings that can kill you. It's your actions and impulses that can. And so hang on tight. Hang on tight to life and hang on tight to hope because it is there for the taking and that you can come out of anything. I've done it. I believe it. I know it. I've seen it. I have facilitated it. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not hopeless. You are not helpless. And that's that. Welcome to the Anxiety Series. It is an absolute honor and pleasure to be with you here. Thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We are turning dreamers into doers. If you dream of it, it's possible. And there's some doing on your end to do. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. I love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.